As I was closing up for the night, I thought about all the movies that had been discussed in the spoiler room. That was when the temperature in the room changed. I went to the thermostat and it said it was 52 degrees KB. Suddenly I found myself in a maze of movie posters. No matter what direction I went, each path led me back to one actor, Kevin Bacon. That was when it was clear what I had to do. When I snapped out of it, I added bacon to the menu. 2020 was going to be an interesting year in the spoiler room. And welcome, my friends, once again to the spoiler room. Here we are. Thank you for traveling down the steps, pulling up a chair next to us as we discuss films. And, of course, there will be spoilers. Tonight, it is 52 degrees KB still in the room, even though we still have a little snow outside. It is melting. Uh, (laughs) We are doing 52 degrees KB temperature all year in the spoiler room. And tonight, we've got an interesting film that's connected to last week's film, which was a bewitched. Uh, I will not do the nose thing. Uh, Uh, but I will tell you that it's a pretty obvious connection between last uh, week's movie and this week's movie. But before we get to Evan Almighty from 2007, let me introduce to you the crew member who's been with me on this journey so long he built his arc and is flowing along with me down the river. It is none other than Mr. Ian Simmons. Hello, sir. How are you? I'm feeling very mighty tonight. You're, Thank you. You're feeling mighty. That's great. Hey, if you do have godlike powers, could you give me the winning lottery numbers? I'm not looking like the main jackpot. Million dollars is fine. I'll take just the matching f- matching five numbers. It doesn't have to be the Powerball as well. Just the five numbers. I'll be good. So uh, put well, in a good well, word with me. Well, Mark, if you ask for if you ask for wealth, do I give you a million dollars or do I give you opportunities, opportunities to make, to make money? money? <laughs> I knew that was coming. I don't oh, know what the hell voice that was. It's not Morgan <laughs> that Freeman. Was, that was that was not Morgan Freeman. That was like Walmart Morgan Freeman in the liquor department. <laughs> that was like, that was like well, you're gonna pick that whiskey. Uh, you better go with the Jack Daniels, cause that's uh, that's, that's Hunter S. Friedman. Freeman. <laughs> Hunter S. Freeman. Morgan Hunter S. Freeman. <laughs> So, uh, uh, yes, Evan Almighty, 2007, directed by Tom uh, Shadek, Shadek. I think it's Shadiac. Shadiac. Um, but I can't look. Uh, here's the thing. I can never look at his name without rearranging letters in my mind to read Tom Caddyshack. <laughs> it's the weirdest thing. <laughs> uh, that's such a that's a great comedy. Uh, but let's talk about Evan Almighty. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I couldn't read this. <laughs> Too good of a setup. Um, would you, would you please uh, inform our fine listeners out there what Evan Almighty is about? Um, it is a sequel to Bruce Almighty. Um, <laughs> pardon the pun. It's sort of a spiritual sequel because. <laughs> um, and I, I realized after I finished Evan Almighty, I don't think I've ever seen Bruce Almighty, at least not in its entirety. So really, uh, but uh, yeah, I, but Evan Baxter, he was like, he was the obnoxious newsman in that movie, yeah. right? Like a minor character. He, he was Bruce. Ki- he was kind of the villain, if you will. He was the obnoxious a-hole trying to, who was always taking the job from Jim Carrey's character is what it was. Oh, okay. I, I just, I remembered him. Like yeah. my impression was that he had more of a, a minor role, but I guess you're probably right. Yeah. Again, I haven't seen the whole thing in, and if it's been a long time, but which is kind of weird because he's not really a jerk in this movie. He's sort of the clueless family guy, you know, a little bit selfish, but he's not, you know, a conniver as far as I can tell. Um, but so he's the news anchor who ran for Congress and won and then he moves his family to, I guess, D.C., uh, to this giant big house in this wealthy development. Uh, and he prays to God to make the world a better place because I think that was his campaign slogan, yeah. like mm-hmm. make the world better or something like that. Change the world. We're going to change the world. Yes. yes. So Morgan Freeman, as God shows up and says, OK, you want to change the world? I want you to build an ark. Now. I'm skipping over a bunch of stuff because there's signs and miracles and things. But uh, yeah, so Evan builds an ark 
and uh, you think it's going to be because the world is about to end via flood, but it turns out it's just a ploy to draw attention to this uh, Shady Acres, which is the name of Tom Shadyac's production company, uh, development deal involving John Goodman as a crooked congressman. Um, and the flood comes, wipes out this uh, complex, but all the people are saved because they end up on the ark instead of drowning in <laughs> horrible ways. Uh, the end. Yeah, uh, that's that's it. It's it's not. Yeah, this was my first time watching it. I watched Bruce Almighty a couple of times. Um, mm. I actually enjoyed it. Uh, I think it was that was uh, if I remember correctly, Bruce Almighty was kind of Carrie's transitioning to doing more dramatic stuff at that time. You know, he's kind of doing comedy and drama. Uh, hmm. and, and I like his, I like his dramatic work in all honesty. Yes. I, I yeah. think, I honestly think that his dramatic work, uh, far surpassed his comedic work. Um, you know, especially when he was taking on, yeah. Cause he did a series of unfortunate events, uh, the same year as the Bruce almighty. He also did just a year, two years before he did the majestic, which I love. I love the majestic. Um, if you haven't seen it, I highly recommend it, but, uh, that was just after his In Living Color run. So, you know, I, I I enjoyed Bruce Almighty. And then the Evan Almighty, when they announced it, I remember when they announced it and where I was going with this is I was like, <laughs> okay. <laughs> you, you know, and then I heard they got Morgan Freeman back as God. And I'm like, at least, well, they did that right. But I, I never watched it just because I enjoyed I enjoyed Evan Al uh, uh, Bruce Almighty quite a bit, but I was like, I there is no motivation for me to see the Dick character from Bruce Almighty be the main character in a sequel, which I thought was a odd uh, approach. But you're right; he is far less dickish in this film at the beginning than he was in the Bruce Almighty, which was surprising. Yeah, and I'm just looking up the because uh, I was wondering when Bruce Almighty came out, it came out in 2003. So four years before Evan Almighty. So right. it's not like, and Bruce Almighty, I think was a, was a pretty decent sized hit. Yeah. Um, it was the same kind of creative team behind it. Another Tom Shadyac movie. So I don't know why they waited so long. Maybe they were trying to figure out if they could get Jim Carrey back for something or whatever, but they decided they had to go in a different direction. Um, but yeah, it's, it's an odd movie because, at the same time, you've got Steve Carell doing a lot of this wacky physical comedy, mm -hmm. um, especially when he's building the art. And he's like, he's hammering away and he hits his thumb or he falls off a giant beam. And they're kind of like, ah, kind of wacky stuff. You've got this really tender family dramedy playing out with him, like trying to connect with his kids or trying to find time within his own busy life to connect with his family. Um and then you've got the spiritual stuff with him interacting with God. I think a lot of that works. I just wish that it had been outside the context of this wacky, broad family comedy where there's like, you know, there's animals pooping on each other and spitting llamas and, you know, all of that stuff. I, I was half awake during most of this movie. Mm -hmm. And then, of course, as I mentioned in our pre-show talk, I had to go cuddle with my son. When I came back, there was something, one of the, I think one of the dramatic beats that woke me up. I'm like, oh, this is something I can really dial into. And by the end of this film, I was like, I hate to say this, I was wiping tears away from my eyes <laughs> because it is, it's a lovely movie with a lot of shenanigans and animal poop thrown on top of it. Yeah, I mean, it is, you're right. And it surprised me actually considering how Bruce Almighty was Bruce Almighty gets a little darker. Bruce Almighty gets exploring, you know, the character a little more of Bruce and, and you get into his motivations of how his life kind of sucks. And, and, you know, what when he gets this power, what happens and everything, it, it's a bit of a darker film. So it surprised me that they made Evan Almighty kind of this upbeat family film. And I did enjoy it. Uh, it wasn't what I expected. Mainly because, you know, I know this sounds bad. We don't get films a lot like this anymore that are, mm. that are, this is a, it, it truly lives up to the PG rating that the film got, which, and it's legit, even the old, you could sit with your family and yeah, there's, there's humor for the adults a bit. There's a lot of humor for the young kids because they love animals pooping. 
Um, <laughs> but it, the, the, now you mention it, I didn't get a chance to look at any th- trivia or background, but the, now that hearing you talk about it, I'm wondering if it was meant for Jim Carrey because of the, the type of humor that you have in here was very Jim Carrey-esque. Yeah. You know, for the situations of him continually hitting his hand or whatever. And he can hit that physical comedy a lot better than Carell can. Don't get me wrong, but it, it kind of falls back to what we saw in Bewitched with Steve Carell's character. It's like, he's a talented guy. I like him. I think he was a little miscast in this film. I think he was miscast for the wacky parts, but I gotta say, like, even at the end when he's arguably at his most ridiculous looking, but his Mm -hmm. character is so Mm -hmm. resolved and, like, full of faith and dedicated, you know, there's that steeliness in his eyes when, like, the whole world is against him, but he's like, you know, I'm being driven by a higher purpose, but everybody kind of thinks I'm an idiot and I'm in danger of losing my family. There's a lot going on there. Oh yeah. And I, and I, I love that aspect of it. Jim Carrey probably could have pulled that off, but I think if it had been Jim Carrey in this role, and again, I haven't, I don't remember Bruce almighty. and I don't think mm-hmm. I've seen a whole thing. I think that would have been a bit of a switch, like going from mm-hmm. that wacky, like kind of Ace Ventura style of like falling down all over and like screaming right. to that dramatic Jim Carrey. There's a big gulf there. And I think that works in two separate movies, not necessarily the same one. Yeah, I, I'm I'm full with you on that, that it, 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 there's there's like two separate movies here. And yeah, those moments when you because you get those moments where you I mean, you got John Goodman, who's. I was trying to figure out, I'm like, I'm not very versed in politics, but this room where the senators continually met and doing their meeting, I'm like, okay, this feels like they're in some dining room, not in the actual like Senate. But in any case, you know, John Goodman playing the veteran senator, and we've come to find out, yeah, as things go along, that he's crooked, and that's he was hoping that he could talk Evan into following the quid pro quo which at the beginning he would, but of course he has his character development as he builds the arc, which is kind of the whole point of, of changing his character. Um, I just, you know, I like those moments, those serious moments to where you get like the first one where he, cause God is, God is fucking with him. Okay. <laughs> Throughout this whole thing, God is just like build the arc. And he's like, no. So he starts making it. So his hair on his face continually grows out. He can't shave, which was actually a very, lo- I love that. That was a very funny scene where he was kept shaving. Um, and so then he, he figures out how to work with that, but then there's a robe that God gives him. So he really looks the part of Noah and he, he, that's all the clothing that God gives him. So he, he wears it and he puts the suit on over it. And it's really funny. Makes him because the Senator wants him to be physically there to sign this bill. That's going to hurt the environment, but make them massive profits for investors. And he gets to see where the, the, where I was going with this, this long ramble is in this scene though, he's got the suit on and he's ready to make his stand. And the minute he stands up, the clothes are folded on the counter and he's in full, uh, Noah garb in front of the entire press and you're right this is a wonderful moment of why it would work better with Steve Carell in his look that he gives this resigned look he he nails this look and you just feel for this guy but you know it's a great change for his character because he's just yep I'm in Noah garb and then you know all these animals came in and he's like yep they follow me and people are like, what? And he's like, God told me to build an ark. And they're like, you told, talk to God. And he's like, yep. You know, he, <laughs> he nails those, like you said, those kind of more serious scenes in this film that show up where he is, gets resigned and the world is against him and he just accepts it and keeps doing what he's doing. And he sells that so well. And those were the moments I really loved. And then the slapstick part, I was like, okay. You know, it, it's a, it's supposed to be a family film, so you got to have that in for you know, the, the younger folks and the, the the animals showing up. And oh, look, Morgan Freeman's God, which is still the perfect casting ever. Um, <laughs> and and talking about that, there is a scene where, you know, it's the classic transition from Act Two to Act Three, right. where the family leaves him. Mm-hmm. You know, 
Lauren Graham playing uh, his wife. It's an eye roll. Joan, Joan of Arc. Yes. Yes. She, she takes the kids and she... <laughs> I'm sorry, I can't. <laughs> yes, her name is Joan. He's building an arc. Oh, and then, I'm sorry, that we also had Molly Shannon's character, the realtor, uh, Eve Adams. Yes, Eve Adams. Oh, um, so, but yeah, Joan takes the kids, and she really doesn't want to do it, but she thinks her husband's cracking up, uh, and she thinks that the kids shouldn't be around for that, rightly so. But she goes to a diner with the family, and the kids all get up to go to the bathroom or play video games or something, and she's kind of left alone, and the waiter comes over and says, uh, Miss, are you okay? It turns out the waiter is Morgan Freeman playing God. And he sits down, and they have this wonderful conversation. Oh. We kind of teased it at the opening of this <laughs> of this show about, you know, when you pray for things, what are you actually asking for and what do you expect? Mm-hmm. You know, you might think that you're not getting, um, you know, I am getting kind of spiritual here, but you might think that you're not getting what you want, but it may turn out that you're being given the tools to get what you want or what you need, as the Rolling Stones right. might say. <laughs> I'm like, that's, I, got, I just got goosebumps here through my bathrobe um, uh, thinking about that scene because Lauren Graham is superb. I love her as an actress. Mm-hmm. I've been a fan since, yes, I'll say it, Gilmore Girls. But, you know, she really brings it in this, in this movie. Yeah, she does really bring it for the, the screen time she has in which isn't a huge amount but all the scenes she's in are elevated um and then yeah her with morgan freeman was fantastic in that conversation and yeah norm that's what i liked is the film really does a good job i think of handing the handling the spirituality part and they even did that well though in in bruce almighty because Mm -hmm. most films that try to attempt this sort of thing in all honesty, for lack of a better term, preach to the choir, they go a, too far, and it tends to turn off your audience who may not exactly fall in line with that faith or that line of idea. And this one treads that line very well, I think. You know, it doesn't get preachy, but at the same time, it's giving you perspective. And that was kind of surprising in a film like this, but I'm watching it going, you know what, I'm, I'm liking this. Because it is spiritual, yet it's not. Look at us, <laughs> God. God is this. God is great. You know, it, it doesn't slap you in the face with the faith. Yet at the same time, it is uh, talking about faith and spirituality and change. And I think they do that well. Yeah, I mean, I was thinking about this because uh, it is an odd movie. This came out in late June of two thousand seven. So this yeah. is like the big. Kind of, I guess, universal or whatever blockbuster for the summer that they're banking on, which is a it's a weird choice. But also, you mentioned this isn't the kind of movie we see a lot of anymore in terms of being PG, but also in terms of a mainstream big studio picture that's, you know, religious conscious. Mm-hmm. You know, typically you think you've got to go to um, it's like those whoever releases like those. I don't even know if Kurt Cameron's making movies anymore, but, you know, those kind of direct to video saving or, Christmas. Know, Saving Christmas, you mean? <laughs> Probably, yeah. But, you know, you think of the, the religious movies, and it's mm-hmm. like, it's either the Hallmark films, where it's all like the magic of Christmas and that kind of generic religion, uh, or it's the the diehard, like, quoting scripture in the title movies that people think are kind of nutty. This was a nice blending of it, where mm-hmm. you are dealing with the Christianity, specifically the Bible stories, but like you're saying, you're making it more relatable and, and mainstream without you're, without watering down the message. You're making it more palatable to people who don't want to be preached to. Um, I think that's really cool, but I was also wondering, why is that? But it occurs to me in 2007, we're at the end of the Bush administration, and <laughs> during that whole eight years, one of the points of cultural contention was this kind of uh, religious uh, fervor and sensibility in the culture. I'm not saying that as a knock on. I'm just saying that's kind of the environment that I think allowed this movie to happen. It might have even been a cynical ploy, like, "Hey, we had Bruce Almighty, which is you know a mm-hmm. in name at least spiritual movie. Now we can have something that's less dark, to your point, more mainstream, PG, family friendly, mm-hmm. and get all of the 
you know, spiritual right. dollars. What <laughs> <laughs> was it? Uh, uh, I forgot. Was it church exploitation? I think it was called or, or religion. I, I uh, Mr. Uh, Andrew Shear, he uh, uh, coined it to, you know, the religious, the faith exploitation type film or something like that, which, which is true. And he was referring to when he's to, you know, it's like those game, those movies, God's not dead. Okay. Mm-hmm. Where, you watch this and you go, okay, if you're trying to get people to see from your perspective, you shouldn't be completely slamming and, and those people who may not believe the same thing you have. And like you said, quoting scripture and just showing how awful they don't believe in God. Look at how awful those people are, you know, and in here you don't have that, you know, all along, you never get the, the, the idea that Evan you never get the idea Evan is anti-religious by any means. He just didn't believe in prayer, but he did do the prayer because it was the night before his first day on the job as a senator, and he wanted to do good. Um, which, again, it's funny they based it on this character because his character, while he does have some arc in this movie, it is it is more of a more of a a, a minor hump, like a speed yeah. bump of change versus having his character be more like he was in Bruce Almighty to now. But he doesn't start off like that. He actually, I mean, when you see him campaigning, saying, I want to change the world and be kind of a good guy, you're like, oh, well, then what's this movie about? And I did spend a first good 30 minutes of this film going, where are we going (laughs) with this? Because he's already a nicer guy than he was in the first film. And I, you know, that's that's a great point. I wonder if at any point during the development that was a consideration. Like, what if we took the quote-unquote villain of the first movie, had him run for office, and of course he's kind of the perfect, if he's the scheming kind of undermining villain guy, he's the exact kind of person you would expect to run for Congress. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then if he wins and he's got, suddenly got power, what? and he's got to move his family to Washington, what does that do to a person and if God tries to intervene, that's a really nice kind of struggle. But yeah, we don't have any of that. Uh, it would have been cool if maybe the family, instead of like really wanting to connect with their dad, didn't respect him because he was kind of a conniver or maybe his villainous nature seeped into like the kids or he married the kind of woman who would marry a guy like that. <laughs> and there's a whole family transformation. That would have been really interesting. I'm not saying that the movie we have now isn't good or interesting but there's a big potential i think they left on the table there um yeah yeah it, it there's a lot of potential and it, it's a good movie for what it is which is a family film this is intended to be a family film a straight not too complicated you're you're safe to take the whole family to and and they're going to enjoy it you know that's the way it made and it accomplishes that very well uh it, it's not one of those family films either that's going to have the parents looking for the vodka um <laughs> we've we've seen i'm you and i were parents i'm sure you've seen a few of the oh this is for the family and you start watching it and you're like oh my god it's like two, you, you look two words go ahead two words mark and you're lucky that your boys are grown uh, um paw patrol <laughs> every day all day <laughs> oh wow yeah um <laughs> i'm glad i'm glad my boys are older now uh now they're watching horror films so uh <laughs> so am i <laughs> sorry it's called paw patrol, paw patrol. <laughs> but yeah you know it serves its purpose but there is potential here um but and that's where it is is that it starts to show those things it it rushed it, it seemed to blow through those moments to get to the slapstick comedy hey, look at animals pooping on the yard moments because you had those moments with his character, but you're not, it's like brief fleeting, like, oh, the kids are upset that he's not going taking them hiking. Oh, look, they're happy now that they're going hiking, and that's it, that it goes away. Those kids, they're fine with that. You know, I mean, if you wanted it, I was hoping for it to be a little more about his growth, but you pretty much get his growth within the first 10 or 15 minutes. They seriously yeah. take the character who he wasn't a horrible guy in Bruce Almighty but he was Bruce's 
arch nemesis of sorts. He was the the dick, you know, the the egotistical dick who was ta- who took the position of Bruce's, uh, you know, uh, that Bruce wanted at the anchor desk. So I mean, he wasn't a nice guy there, but that gets all. Ar- it's like quick, we got to set him up to be a good guy, so we have a reason for doing a full movie about him when they could have done more of him getting changed or awakened or whatever enlightened well you know and when they establish him at the very beginning with his kind of big send-off from the news station Mm -hmm. they have the montage of him running for office Mm -hmm. and then it comes back to him at the desk and he's got that tear running down his Mm -hmm. eye his cheek and he says i feel like that old indian in front of all the garbage i couldn't figure out if that was supposed to be sincere or if like we were going to cut to him backstage, like peeling the fake tear oh. off of his cheek, you know, kind of right. like the politician asshole mm-hmm. news anchor man. But it's just left hanging there. Right. Um, the the only other thing, like he's clueless, but he's not dastardly. I mean, one of the big contrivances, I think, is his first day as a congressman. He has also scheduled an afternoon hike with his family. Right. Yeah. Why? Like. This is a Monday afternoon Well, <laughs> like, at Congress. It's not like you're even going to be home at five o'clock in the afternoon necessarily. And that was that was the rough part with that, too. The, the that beginning part. That's why it starts off bumpy for me. But it, it smoothed out for yeah. sure. You know, but it does start off bumpy because it is a bit contrived because I'm like, wait a minute. You were running for senator. You, you had to run for a while. Your family didn't expect this. You're you're a senator. You're it's this is not like my job where I go to work in <laughs> IT. You know, this is a senator. He all hours, different important responsibilities, and I can understand maybe the youngest son not understanding that, but he has an older teenage boy in here who who is all tropish. Disgrunt, gr- disgruntled at the beginning because he broke a promise, but that doesn't. But that was fleeting. Then they decide to go to the hiking for the weekend, and then everything's fine again. And I'm like, oh, oh, okay, no prolonged angst going on at all. We're just everything's hunky dory now. Which, don't get me wrong, I don't mind that. But at the same time, I'm like sitting here going, that seems a. Li- what are you going for? And that's why I at the beginning of this film through that whole thing. I was a little lost on what they were trying to go for with the purpose of this, you know? Yeah. I mean, I, I think the idea was the campaign was over and, you know, uh, congressional or Senate run is like grueling. Yeah. It's long hours. It's hard work. It's not seeing your family unless they're like making a media appearance with you. So I, I think maybe the calculation was now that I've got the job, we can ease on the brakes a bit. You're going to see me a bit more, but that still doesn't, explain why he didn't say okay after my first week you know that weekend right. we're gonna go hiking instead of yeah. like yeah monday afternoon we're gonna go hiking yeah the, let alone the fact that he was a possibly gonna have homework but also just be freaking exhausted you know <laughs> <laughs> yeah exhausted but he does have i i I not only enjoyed Carell's performance and of course Morgan Freeman, Lauren Graham, they all do well. The kids actually are are pretty good. They're not on screen a lot, but I did enjoy the the, the but I liked his supporting. I almost wanted to see a little bit more of his supporting cast, his his staff because I loved the whole dynamic between uh, Wanda Sykes, Rita, his uh, guy with, uh, played by John Michael Higgins, Marty, and Jonah Hill's Eugene. Those three, that trio, I loved that trio. I wanted to see more <laughs> of those three interacting with him, getting him on the Congress floor. You know, uh, they were entertaining quite a bit, I thought. Yeah, they, they were. Um, especially like watching Wanda Sykes, I was reminded of how much she was in a lot of stuff in this mm-hmm. era. Um, it, it's kind of like with uh, with Bewitched, which we talked about last week. There's all these either character actors or even bigger actors who used to be a big thing like 15 years ago. And they you just don't hear from them much anymore. And that's kind of a shame. Like, oh, I miss Wanda Sykes. She was wonderful. Yeah. Every time she was on, she had me laughing. Because I was like, and I had that exact same thought. I'm like, oh, I miss Wanda Sykes. <laughs> the way her delivery and everything, I just loved her de- Her style of humor is fantastic. And there, yeah, There's at one point, I think she was getting lectured by Evan or something. And she says, look, 
I go to church every Sunday. And then he's looking at her and then he said, she says, I go to church every other Sunday. And he gets the look and gives her the look again. She says, I've been to church. church. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Just the way those two played off each other. it, It was great. And uh, yeah, and that's another one of those scenes where he's resigned himself. That that was another thing. The conflict, whatever he had with what God was doing to him, subsided fairly quickly. Uh, (laughs) Well, I think it's because, you know, what do you do in the face of the fact that you realize you are dealing with God? I mean, as much as I gave it kind of some crap early on with the signs and miracles and stuff, it does make a compelling case instead mm-hmm. of like a burning bush right. or something he drive he drops these cute little clues like 614 which is the genesis passage mm-hmm. where he's you know noah is instructed to build the ark that keeps showing up it's like his license plate it's his clock that he wakes mm-hmm. up to every morning you know it's a sign on a sporting event you know that's kind of cute the one thing i didn't like was the clock because that was the most contrived because general electric clock like Everything after the GEN was, was blacked, blacked out, out like marker. I'm like, at least have an establishing shot where the youngest kid was like messing around and coloring the clock or something. And that's what, because um, otherwise I'm like, how does that even happen? It goes along with what we were talking about earlier, licensing. They couldn't pay General Electric to have the name, name brand on the post. <laughs> so they, they blacked it out. No. Uh, yeah. <laughs> no, I know what you're saying. They didn't need, the thing is they didn't need the GEN in there. I'm like, what? why? I mean, you establish what it is. Why do you have to paint it that broad of a brush? Give your audience a little credit, even for a family film. Give them a little credit. (laughs) Yeah, just a smidge. (laughs) Just a smidge. You're already in a film called Evan Almighty, and he's talking to God. So if the clock stops at 614 every morning, even if you don't have the G-E-N, you know it's going to have to at least have some relation to the whole film. You don't necessarily need to just hold our hand completely with that you know i mean well and on top of that he's a young congressman so the fact that he's wake like it's a struggle for him to wake up at 6 14 in the morning that was a bit of a stretch i'm like come on dude you're you're like you've been on the treadmill for an hour by that point <laughs> get with um, the times yeah. yeah but no the the other weird thing about this movie is and I had seen it uh, 13 years ago now, so watching it again tonight, I'd forgotten a lot about it. But one thing that did stick with me is for the audience that this was targeted at, like the religious audience, I wondered if anybody had the same problem I did, which I grew up Catholic, so Mm. I kind of know my Bible. And I know that according to what I'll call the Christian mythology, the reason we have rainbows is because after the flood— God gave us the sign of the rainbow Mm -hmm. to signify that he would never again destroy the earth via flood. So if I'm watching a movie about a guy who's being asked to build the ark again, and there's sort of this impending doom narrative, I'm thinking, wait, none of this makes sense because it's not supposed to flood again. Now, at the very, very end, we find out that, no, that wasn't his plan all along. But if I'm a person of faith watching this, I'm kind of thinking... It's almost like watching Star Wars and having people talk talk about like laser swords instead of lightsabers. Like you don't understand anything about this mythology. They're called lightsabers. Yes. <laughs> and before that, vibra blades. Get it right. God, how can you even? You don't even deserve to watch Star Wars. No. Um. No, I know what you're saying. <laughs> but at the same time, I'm wondering if they did that as kind of the in joke, as in the fact of. He assumed it meant impending doom. God never actually said that there was going to be a full flood. He assumed it and ran with it. So those who do, who are strong in the faith and know it, maybe that's the inside joke going, oh, what's God really got planned? You know, so they're maybe, kind of, you know, I think the way it felt like it was trying to play it a little bit was like, okay, Evan doesn't know, but we know. So what is actually going, you know? So it's more of they know it doesn't mean the end of the world, but what what does it act? What is the actual plan of of God in this? You know, and I hope you know, it, yeah. <laughs> so it's, at least I hope I'm interpreting that right. I'm I'm a removed Catholic, so uh, I I grew up Catholic as well. Um, not so much now, but still I I know enough, and I think maybe 
that's kind of what they were playing at was maybe it's the inside joke for the the real heavy believers while everybody else kind of you know is like okay well there might be another flood okay i'll buy it you know <laughs> yeah <laughs> you know this movie made me think about um I don't know if we've talked about this. Did you ever see Noah, the Darren Aronofsky movie with uh, Russell Crowe? I did not, but I wanted to because I heard there were rock creatures in it. So yeah, they're uh, straight up. They're straight up like Lord of the Rings monsters in that movie. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I was a big fan of Noah mm-hmm. because it kind of messed around with the, the mythology. Or if you listen to Aronofsky, He's saying it's a more literal interpretation of that story. Right. I, I remember when it came out, I think I looked up some of the passages, and there are these weird references to things that were coexisting with mankind at that point. I'm like, mm-hmm. well, hell, maybe there really were supposed to be giant ants walking around <laughs> helping to build the ark. But I, that's not really apropos of anything. It's just that when I was watching this movie, I'm mm-hmm. like, yeah, there was another big budget. Well, that one flopped. Uh, movie about the building of the ark, but this <laughs> that, that came out a few years later. It made for a great moment in this film, as like you said, we had that scene where uh, he's resigned himself, he's building this ark. First, he gets the kids in on it, but then we have that moment in front of the cameras. So he's by himself building the ark because the family left, mm-hmm. um, and he's wondering how he's going to build this ark. And suddenly, there's two llamas holding a hammer, which actually was kind of cool um you know and i loved the bit i I thought it was a great for the fan you know it's one of those where my brain had to switch going you're watching a family film mark you're watching so you know suspension you know just just push anything away and just enjoy the funny images of monkeys and giraffes and everybody helping all the creatures helping him build the ark initially um, you know, and his family comes back and, and helps, but still they're like, how are we going to build this? So they have all the animals help. And I'm like, the problem I had with that is especially in two, even in 2007, there would have been people who would have saw this article and came and helped him build the ark. Mm. It was missing that part. It was like his entire neighborhood was cynical and thought he was batshit crazy, which is like, okay, I'll get you that. But you can't tell me that there weren't people in the surrounding area who would be so strong in belief or whatnot that would like, I'm going to go help him. And he would get help from people to help build his ark. You know, yeah, that's would... a great point. I think that's I think that's another kind of a missed opportunity. Um, it might have blown out the runtime of the movie a bit, but I also think that you could have incorporated that and taken out some of the slapstick. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you could have still had the animals help, too, but had some people show up. And that, that was the one part for me that I was just sitting there going, so they're saying the entire world is full of douches? You know, <laughs> you know, I, I'm like, I know it is. I mean, if you look at the Internet, sure. Oh, there's our comments. Look at there. No, um, <laughs> but uh, I, I was having a hard time believing with his story that people, there wouldn't have been people coming to help him build the ark because just the way people are that we've seen, you know, on internet, in, in news reports and even real life, the the type of people you see wouldn't have traveled there to help him build the ark. You know, you know, and that's almost the setup for another movie, like a remake of this where God calls upon this guy in the internet age to build an ark. And it's sort of a test. Mm-hmm. Like it, Everybody knows about it because it's, you know, global information media and all sure. that. But does anybody lift a finger to help? And if the mm-hmm. answer is no, then, yeah, I'm just going to destroy the world again and start over because <laughs> the experiment has failed again. <laughs> we don't get. All right. Look, look, guys, this is a union job. OK, I need 50 guys to help build this arc. If I get 49 guys, job's done. We're not doing it. OK, so I need I need 50 guys. All right. Yeah, that that would have been an opportunity. So that was the only thing. I mean, it wasn't it didn't take me away from the film. I still enjoyed it. it it's kind of fun to while I don't watch a lot of family films anymore with my boys being older. It is fun to watch a light film like this once in a while that, you know, it's not taking itself seriously, very aware what it is, but it's got a talented enough cast to pull this off. I mean, John Goodman. I love John Goodman in almost anything in a film, and especially when he plays bad guys. 
Mm-hmm. I mean, he does good guys well, but oh man, you know, oh brother, where art thou playing the Cyclops? Oh my God, I love that movie, and I, I love him in it. You know, uh, freaking a Ten Cloverfield Lane. I mean, oh yeah, wow, it was like wow, you know. So here he is playing the the villainous in quotes, the the as villainous as you can get for a, a film like this, uh, senator guy, and I liked him in that as well. He he. He plays those characters well, and I think he tries to do uh, good guy roles, but he always gets cast in these roles because he does so well. <laughs> and he was enjoyable in this, you know. You know he's shady right away when you meet him, <laughs> you know. Yeah, it's also good to see. It's weird. I don't know. If, I don't watch the Roseanne show or the Connors right. anymore, but he and you know, good for him. He dropped a lot of weight. Mm-hmm. But it's just weird seeing skinny John Goodman. It was almost shocking to go back and watch him in this movie because he's big in this movie. I'm like, it feels right. It feels right to see big well, John Goodman. <laughs> I mean, no, no, no offense to him, but even Jonah Hill, who has you know, you know, some of the char- some of these performers, which good on you know, it's fan, you know, that's what they wanted to do. That's awesome. It is odd though to see them in roles in earlier roles where they were heavier, you know, they weren't pulling a, a Christian bail where they put weight on, on, on purpose, uh, or starved themselves to death. It's just, yeah, it's a little unusual seeing them because you see John Goodman now. Yeah. He's definitely lost a lot of weight. So seeing him in like this, you're like, Whoa, uh, <laughs> you know? uh I forgot how, uh, how much of a kind of big guy he is. I mean, cause he's a tall guy anyway. And then he put Steve Carell next to him. It's just like, <laughs> Oh yeah. And, and he's the perfect embodiment of the, the literal like Washington fat cat. Uh, yeah. Well, yeah. Perfect. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's what they were going for with it. So yeah. I, I, I you know, the special effects actually, I thought, for this film until they get to the arc floating down the water looked really good until that point. And then, then it started to show its age a bit when it was, when it was uh, flowing down the river and they have the big wave. So he turns and goes down the street to the Capitol. I'm like, okay, that looks a little. (laughs) (laughs) See, I didn't even notice that because Uh, I just kept thinking, because my brain was on the entire time I was watching this. I'm like, okay, it's an uncovered arc. You've got several hundred, maybe a thousand people on it. And there's no railings or anything. So when they're going down these giant slopes into deep water and there's these like thousand foot waves, no one's flying overboard, getting horribly mangled, bruised, battered. They're just, everything's fine. That's great. Maybe it's the part of the miracle. I don't know. That's how well built that arc was. Ian. I guess so. It had invisible seat belts. It, it no center of gravity. Didn't you notice everybody scooched down when that happened? And so center of gravity near the, you know, I don't know. I it's, <laughs> it, it, it's physics in the in the law of plot. Okay, I <laughs> yes. we, we see it way too often. All right, you're just like no, you know, just like. No, when you go out into space, you don't have 20 seconds if you hold your breath that you can make it to the next airlock. No, no, it just, that's <laughs> it, not how that works. Right? Just, so, I mean, you, you do have that, but yeah, overall, it's a fun cast. I think it, it's a fun concept. It's kind of fun, it, interesting seeing some of these performers in a little bit earlier work and, like you said, some veterans as well. Um, it didn't do that well. It's got, a really low for those of you who follow the rotten tomatoes meter a bad, <laughs> a bad like 23% i think fresh really yeah. <laughs> 23 I, I i do believe i do believe so um let me let me look here uh 23% rotten tomatoes is 23% imdb is a little bit more generous at 5.4 out of 10 and common sense media uh, gives it 2 out of 5 and that's that's interesting. Oh well, okay. But here's here's another situation where uh, this makes more sense to me. The tomato meter is twenty three. The audience scores at fifty two. Right. Um, that makes more sense. That... Yeah. Because it's 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 created as sort of a crowd pleaser, which I can understand critics being bothered by. I mean, you and I certainly are able to nitpick certain things, um, but yeah, it, it's it's not high art. 
if you just accept it as a a nice little family film with a sweet message, I think it I think it does the job. Oh, freaking critics! What the hell do they? <laughs> God, those. They're the worst. They are the worst freaking uncultured <laughs> swine who just think their opinion matters for no particular reason. And then they start all these freaking podcasts and then they've got to break down films. What the hell is that shit about? Come on. It's, it's a scourge. We need a flood to wipe them all away. <laughs> Eliminate the critics now. Flood it. Um, now, now let, me, let me ask you about this. Mm. I wonder, again, having not having no recollection of the film that preceded this, do you think some of that low rating might have been sort of a disappointment that it was not mm-hmm. enough of a follow-up to Bruce Almighty? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I think because this is a different film. If you watch the two, uh, I mean, Jim Jim Carrey's hit was a surprise when people first heard about it. And then they watched it and they're like, holy crap, uh, this is, you know, this is really good. Uh, I think it was a surprise. I think they were expecting a little bit more of that, which... I'm not going to say edgy. Like I said, I said dark. It's not like it's like, oh, dark, like the entire world is dead. But there are some darker moments in in Bruce Almighty and some more mature humor in Bruce Almighty than there is in this one. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that is what it is, is, is disappointment because people enjoyed it so much. They were hoping for more Bruce in a sequel. And to do it on Evan, like I said, who was a character who you were meant not to like in the first film, to try to sell it as that without seeing it, you know, it, I can see how it was a hard sell for sure for yeah. people. And let's face it, family films, um, critics, you know, the, the whatever you want to call it, professional, whatever, the big, huge, huge names, the, ah, you know, mm. uh, critics. They tend to to be a little bit harder on family movies because they're looking at it at a different perspective. You and I, uh, while we we have picked out a number of things on Evan Almighty, we both have families in that. And it's like if my kids were really young, I'd have no problem sitting down and watching this movie with them. And I wouldn't have a problem watching it. You know, it, it wouldn't be one of those where I was like, God, when is it over type of thing, you know? Right. Because yeah, I, I think there's there's a lot to like in here, and I think a lot of good lessons presented. They're almost like mature lessons that are good for adults to learn, you <laughs> <Yeah>. know, <laughs> in terms yeah. of like gratitude and and kind of doing things for yourself uh, and not just <laughs> wait, waiting on a miracle. That's that's the other thing I forgot to mention. The soundtrack in this movie did drive me nuts because it's like pop song after pop song and and like the kind of the spirituals that you see here in all of the spiritual movies you well, know, are you ready for a miracle yeah well i i i happen to like that song so uh <laughs> i i do i do too but it's the unfortunate son of spiritual movies yeah no you're no you're right or fortunate son yeah you, you're right no it, it's it is it's 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 the fortunate son it's the equivalent of fortunate son in every vietnam film ever like we joked earlier in one of the other episodes that, you know, if you actually just watched Vietnam films, you'd swear the only artists in the world were CCR and maybe some, some, some stones, you know, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's, that's all that. Those are the only artists ever in the seventies. If you go by movie soundtracks. So yeah, no, I was, I, I enjoyed the soundtrack, but it, they were all a lot of gospel songs you've heard before. Um, you know, I, I think the version of You're Ready for a Miracle still uh Leap of Faith, talking about faith films. There's yes. <laughs> there's a film that I think is high in all honesty, I think is highly underrated. You don't hear people talk about it enough, and it's it's a beautiful movie. I you know, maybe we should talk about that at some point because I love I have not watched it all the way through in a long time, so I mm-hmm. think I need to revisit it, but I love that movie. Um that the song "Change in My Life" that happens during oh, the, yeah. the kind of the montage. Yeah, I that's I listen to that song on a regular basis because it's just it's beautiful. It is. It is. Uh, maybe I'll, I'll set that on the schedule. Not so much for this year, but we'll, we'll maybe we'll work it in for next year uh, when I don't. Is that have... a, is that a canon film? <laughs> no, no, it won't be a special. It'll just be an episode because I didn't plan out the entire year like I did this year. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I, I have to take a breather. Um, but yeah, and all speaking of breathers, Evan Almighty's that. Uh, don't go into it thinking you're going to get your Jim Carrey comedy because you're not. Steve Carell's not Jim Carrey; he he's his own guy. And when it really hits, 
I think it hits on all cylinders. The slapstick stuff, maybe not so much for you, but if you've got younger folk in your family, they can sit down and watch this film with you. There's, I don't think, I mean, even the part where God takes away his clothing altogether when he goes and picks up the mail, it's done <laughs> in such a humorous way that, you know, it's laughing. Ha ha, look at, he lost his clothes, which you don't see anything. Um, right. I think that's about probably the riskiest joke in this entire film is is that one moment um the humor safe you know it it is a family film um and i maybe that probably is why it's not as popular because uh bruce almighty was not as much of a family orientated film as this one was yeah and it's a bold it's a bold step to do a sequel like that i mean you know, especially a larger than life character like Jim Carrey to try to do any sequel that's not going to have him in it is is going to be an uphill battle to begin with, you know, and then much less the person who they they, they put this on. But, yeah, I mean, in general, the 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 direction I thought was well done. Um, you know, like I said, the writing could have been a little bit tighter, but I don't think it deserves a 23 <laughs> percent rating. on <laughs> No, and I did like that, um, you know, this was kind of for me, and I don't think I realized it at the time because these movies I'm about to mention hadn't come out yet, but looking at it now, I see this as, you know, Steve Carell coming off of what, The Daily Show, yeah. um, Anchorman might have been just before this, uh, but it was, you know, the start of him doing these comedies that had sort of a dramatic tinge to them, mm -hmm. because then you get movies like Dan in Real Life. Mm -hmm. uh, you get a wonderful movie called uh, Seeking a Friend for the End of the World, where he's with Keira Knightley. Um, you know, I I love Steve Carell as an actor, mm -hmm. kind of like the way we were talking about Jim Carrey before. He can mm -hmm. do the comedy, but I think when he turns on those dramatic sincerity mm -hmm. chops, uh, you're you're hard pressed to beat him. Yeah, I mean it. We've seen that with great comedians before, too. Robin Williams. Robin Williams did great comedy. He was the zany guy. He started to do drama, and it went up to a whole nother level. Suddenly people were like, whoa. You know, he did kind of a transitional film with Fisher King where he could still be zany but serious. And then he did, you know, uh, Good Morning Vietnam, and then he started doing these serious roles. You know, awake. you're just like, Oh, it's Patch Adams. You're just like, wow. And you're right. Steve Carell, too. It's just like he worked a little more drama into his comedies. And people are like, wow, he's got the chops for it. Jim Carrey, he's got the chops for drama, you know, and, and you almost respect them more as dramatic <laughs> actors than you do as the goofy ha ha guys that, yeah. you know, that they became that was their you know rise to fame. Um, like I liked, uh, the 40 year old virgin because, uh, virgin, I, he was, cause he did bewitched. He did the 40 year old virgin. He was in little miss sunshine. And then he came mm -hmm. and then he came to Bruce almighty, which is his next live action one. Then he did. Yeah. Dan in real life and uh, Jesus Horton here. So who was from 2008? Uh, and then he did get smart and you're like, okay, uh, <laughs> Oh, and I forgot another movie he did that I really liked, which uh, Date Night with Tina Fey, which was, I, I haven't seen this movie in a long time, but it was a comedy, but it wasn't like as slapsticky. It was more like a right. like suburban family gets caught up in a, you know, a crime thing. And I think Mark Wahlberg's a detective in it or something. But yeah, that that's another one where it's kind of tender and funny at the same time. Well, and Crazy Stupid Love as well. I, oh, I, that's right. I loved him in Crazy Stupid Love. That That's a that, fun that's, movie. That's an excellent picture, yeah. One of my favorite Ryan Gosling performances. Right? <laughs> right. <laughs> I actually like I like Ryan in that one, yeah. Um, yeah. So, uh, but we digress. Yeah, Evan Almighty, folks, uh, to sum up, not a huge deep film, but it, it is entertaining. If you're looking for family fare while you're trapped at home during COVID, a go-go, this is one that's going to have a little bit of something for everyone. I think that that's my kind of my final thought with it is I'd recommend it to people looking for a family film. You're safe with this one and you do not need to watch Bruce Almighty at all to follow what's going on in this film. It's a standalone sequel uh, that uh, you may get kind of the in joke at the very beginning, but other than that, yeah, I mean, I'd recommend it. What about you? Definitely. Um, and as someone who has no recollection of Bruce Almighty, I can stand by your statement. Um, 
yeah, I don't really have anything else to add, but I think you, you bring up a great point when people are kind of locked inside and especially with everything that's going on in the country and, and the world, there's sort of this bleakness and attention about like, can people even just talk to each other anymore? This is a movie full of hope and resilience and warmth that it's a cliche, but it's the movie we need right now. <laughs> it is. It's, it's a happy film. You know, I mean, it's, it's humor is is honest and it tries to keep it straight and clean and doesn't even try to be like wink wink nudge nudge ah ah um mm-hmm. it's it's just a straight family film and yeah i think uh you do need to those watch those a little bit more especially nowadays it is tropish to sound but let's face it if you enjoy a decently well put together movie even a film like bruce almighty you're going to come out of it going oh that wasn't bad and you might actually feel a little bit better you know, yeah. <laughs> there's nothing wrong with that. Films do not need to make you feel cynical, folks, regardless of what Hollywood may try to put on you. <laughs> <laughs> right. Nowadays. I mean, comedies nowadays, especially, you know, it's like they, they're really cynical. They're usually picking fun at something, you know. And so and in this one, it's not. It, it's not picking fun at religion, but at the same time, it's not overly preachy. And yeah, there you go, folks. I was surprised I enjoyed it, in all honesty, as much as I did. Because I enjoyed Bruce Almighty, and I went into this going, "Ah, okay, (laughs) it's on the list. Let's, you know, (laughs) two films now away from the woodsman. I'm good now. I'm good, you know. Uh, there was a lot of wood in this movie too there was a lot of wood in this movie too and yes folks the connection between last week's film and this one as I mentioned earlier or you may have picked up is Steve Carell he was in Bewitched and he is in Bruce Almighty next week we got another Kevin Bacon film and how is it going to be connected to this one well you're going to have to stay tuned to find out Uh, but until then you need to check out Ian's stuff Ian as always, it is that time for you to get your license to shill. So please, the floor is yours. Before I do that, I, I have to pose a question. Is it possible mm. that the Woodsman and Evan Almighty take place in the same universe? And that Kevin Bacon, who was a woodworker in that film, uh, could he have not answered the call to help build the ark because he was too busy chasing 11-year-old girls in the woods? Well, we're, Ian... Okay, we're, you can find me at kickseat.com. We were just talking about uplifting movies, and you just you just you just took this film that actually has a pure heart and you you gave it the old wicked witch uh, bite the apple move and poisoned the hell out of it. Way to go, Ian. Congratulations. I hadn't thought about that until now. Well, <laughs> For the, for the next dozen times you watch The Woodsman for kicks, you will never think of it in the same way. <laughs> I'll be waiting for the animals to show up two by two outside his apartment. <laughs> and he'll be looking at going, the lamb can stay, the sheep have to go. <laughs> oh. There's... There's there's a connection, I'm telling you. Um, so yeah, you can you can find me at kickseat.com. My website is kicking the seat. Uh, I post podcasts there uh, a few times a week. We just had our 600th episode, and um, yeah. Oh, oh, and also uh, I haven't announced this yet, so I guess I'll put it out here because um, actually by the time this comes out, it might be a thing. Um, we've been doing Friday night live streams all October for uh, Scarathon where we talk about horror movies. That's coming to an end because so is October. But uh, Sunday, November 1st, mm-hmm. uh, we are going to be trying to do the another live stream series based on the new Mandalorian season uh, coming out on Disney+. Plus. So we're going to try that, see how it works out, and uh, yeah, come join us on YouTube. Uh, that's the Kicking the Seat YouTube channel. Uh, subscribe, like, join in, uh, hang out in the comments. We'll be taking your questions and comments live. And that's my spiel. Thank you, Mark. Well, thank you for uh, popping down into the spoiler room and, and regularly being here and taking this journey as we travel through the wicked web of the 52 Degrees KB. I uh, hope you've been enjoying the series. We're two months left, folks. It's kind of bittersweet bittersweet seeing the near light at the end of the tunnel. Um, 
I'm like, what am I going to do with myself next year? I got, I got 12 films. That's it. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Well, don't worry. I think a lot of people are wondering what the hell is going to happen next year. So I I doubt you'll be bored no matter what happens. This is, this is very true. (laughs) Next year, uh, the the films are going to be in, in, you're going to have to go every day because there's going to be a new release, big tentpole film every day for 365 <laughs> days <laughs> you better you better make it to the theater that day because otherwise you're gonna fucking miss that that sucker <laughs> let me tell you oh, oh man oh yeah next year who knows but this year folks stay with us and uh tune in next week check out ian's stuff and the scarathon good stuff there and now we'll just say a good night everyone good good night are you ready for a miracle? Ready as I can be. Are you ready for a miracle? Ready as I can be. Oh, are you ready? Okay, I'm sorry. I like your rendition best of all. <laughs> Thank you. I, I, I think angels are weeping right now. <laughs> <laughs>